Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Here's San Francisco and the incomparable forward, Rick Barry. Behind the end line, they burn him again, and it's Barry. And now Rick Barry, the league's leading scorer. What a superb basketball player he is. Hi, everybody. Rick Barry here along with my co-heart in crime, Cyrus Satchez, the surf man himself. Yes, this is Warriors 24. And uh, I hope you're all doing as well as I guess can be expected uh, mm-hmm. under these incredible circumstances that we're dealing with, uh, certainly in my lifetime. And that's quite a long life so far. And hopefully there'll be a lot more to it. Uh, I've never experienced anything of this magnitude, uh, of this concern on the part of the country and the world for that matter. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you all stay healthy and we can contain this virus and get back to a normal life because what's going on right now has taken a lot of joy out of life for a great many people, you know, sports included, but even way beyond that, it's, um, it's just a situation that you really, words aren't adequate to describe, I think, what's going on, all types of things. Iris and I were just talking before we came on the air that... He's got things happening in his life that he can't go out and maybe respond to it in the way that he'd like to because of all of the restrictions <laughs> that are put in place. I mean, mm-hmm. I, they just closed down, which I, I, and I still, I'm astonished by this actually, Cyrus. I mean, and sometimes you go to degrees that make no sense whatsoever. Why would you close down a pool in the area where I live when people aren't getting near one another? They're staying with their own family. It's not contagious by the water. You're denying them of the opportunity to do something instead of staying cooped up in their home. And you're outdoors. I, I just don't understand that. Like for me, I just got done playing a lot of pickleball with some friends. Hopefully they won't shut down our courts like some other places have because mm-hmm. that'd be like putting me in solitary confinement. I don't think they would shut courts. Are you talking no, about No, they are. Court? I'm talking about shutting down tennis courts, shutting down pickleball courts, putting locks mm. on them, taking the nets down, not allowing people to make a choice on their own if they want to go out with their own people. You're outdoors. You're not right next to people. You're playing in an environment that really is not a conducive environment for passing mm-hmm. on any type of germ. If you wash your hands beforehand, you wash the ball, you just you know, be safe. Know the people you're playing with, the people we play with know. God, if they had something that they didn't feel good or something, they're not going to show up. I mean, I, I, I want to go on with my life. I don't want to have yeah. to stop. I, they closed down the workout room, so I can't go to do workout. So you have to do your own individual type of workouts. My, my son put me through a workout that he had trying to keep himself in shape, trying to get ready in case they get qualified and they have to go on with the Olympics with the 3X3. So he can't get into a gym. He was going to go to, to – to LA fitness and go in there and do, he can't even get into a gym. The G league sent out something for all the players and not supposed to work out at any other, other facility of their own. And they've shut mm-hmm. down their own facilities. So what do these players do? How do you keep yourself in shape? Hey, they want to go back and get the season going on again. These guys aren't going to have a chance to play. It's, it's old keep school. Shape. It's old school, Rocky Forrestal, Rick, you know, the great Herschel Walker, his enti- I mean, one of the finest physical specimens I've ever seen. And I'm saying this as a straight man, uh, his entire workout regimen was push-ups, sit-ups, and pull-ups. That was it. 
So it's it's crazy, but there are ways to do it. But I, I hear I understand your frustration. At the well, but this, but but how do you how do you practice shooting if you can't even go someplace and they True. shut down places? You I mean, can't. have to go try to find an outdoor court and hope the wind's not blowing too much. You know, like, I mean, it's just yeah. That part again, crazy. sometimes they're taking things to an extreme. Now I understand what they're trying to do and the concern, and it's a justifiable concern. I'm not saying this is something that should be scoffed at and say, hey, this is a joke. It's not. It's not a joke at all. It's very serious. But, I mean, do things within reason. Don't make it a punishment. It's bad enough as it is that so many people and, and are, are no income coming in for the, for the jobs. As yeah. we mentioned with the Warriors, 1,500 yeah. people, every home game, they're losing out on it. All these now restaurants closing down, the mom and pop stuff, they're liable to be going out of business. So it's just it's a tough situation that exists right now. So anyway, uh, yeah, what are the Warriors doing now? What are the I players think- getting to do? I think the Warriors and Joe Lacob, uh, if, if I'm correct on this, I believe they initiated a program to at least compensate all the the, the hourly workers, the part-time workers who who come to the games. So at least they're taken care of for the rest of the season. But you're right. I mean, economically, it's this is a disaster. I mean, we're oh, definitely yeah. going in, into a huge recession from this. Um, I, I don't know how long it's going to take to rebound from this. Yeah, there's a lot of lives severely affected. And I get your frustration. I, I totally do. I mean, I think the logic is obvious that our governments do not have faith in individuals to actually practice social distancing. I think all those videos of Bourbon Street and Nashville and all the spring breakers are indicative of that. Um, it's a, this is just tough, man. It's a tough situation. There's yeah. no, well, I, I have no problem with shutting down the beaches uh, only now down here in Florida because of the spring break and trying to keep people, all this stuff from gathering. Yeah. But, the, but the bottom line of it is, is that, you know, I'm, if you live there and you're in a resident, you want to go to the beach with your family and just go and be by yourself on the beach. Why should you be denied that opportunity? Seriously, you're not going there. You're not going with a bunch of other people. You can't infect anybody. It's just you and your family deciding to go to the beach to spend the day since you have to be at home. And if there are other families there, you just keep your distance, like they say. You're outside. I mean, seriously, this is, it it gets to a point where I don't know how much thought they give to it. It just doesn't make logical sense, some of the stuff they're asking to be done. And the same thing with this craziness going on. Try to go buy toilet paper. What are people going to do? Stock up? They're going to think they're going to be inside for three years? That they got toilet paper to last them for three years? And here's the other one. No, no. And here's the other one. All of the tissue was gone, right? All the different, you know, the, the Kleenex, the, and which is amazing that they got a chance to go and everybody talks about tissue and they say Kleenex, boy, did they ever have something going for a business? But <laughs> um, really, so, so, but here's the deal. If you understood and you read about the virus, your nose doesn't run, you dry up. So why do you need tissue? And on, this is panic, but this is just literally, and I think this is why you close beaches, Rick. I mean, if, if for, for me, the first thing that has stuck out the most from this crisis is how poor human behavior is during a panic, right? I mean, I mean, when I was producing for you at KNBR, working in the media all these years, one of the first things I learned early on is panic does no good. As, as a, one of the all-time greats, Rick, you, I'm sure, echo these sentiments as a player playing in championship settings. Panic does no good. Unfortunately, and again, this shows me what little faith I have in humanity because the first thing that happens is one person utters, we need toilet paper, and now Costco has lines out the door at 3 a.m. cleaning toilet paper out. It makes no sense. It doesn't. It doesn't it's insane. 
And, and, it, and it does. It, it really disheartens me to see human beings on a grand scale like this uh, behave this way. It's, it's disconcerting. It's, it's sad. It's pathetic. I mean, the level of, of anxiety is just unnecessary. I can understand being frustrated for being locked down, but to go buy toilet paper? I mean, this is not a stomach flu. You're not going to be shitting every two seconds. I don't get it. I, it's yeah, insane. but the craziest thing is, is, is the tissue. Like you're thinking you get a cold, the flu, your nose, your nose doesn't run with this. No. You dry up. That's the problem. Your yes. throat gets dry. You cough. You do stuff. It goes down into your lungs. I mean, it's anyway, let's just hope that we get this situation under some semblance of control. And from a selfish standpoint, I mean, you know, I'd like to see, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm obviously praying that they can do that and they can have the Olympics. I mean, come on. I mean, I think anybody out there would agree if you had one of your children with the potential opportunity to become Olympian, you're yeah. going to be doing everything you can to pray and hope and all that everything gets resolved so your child can have that amazing experience. And that's what I'm praying for. So, you know, but I'm praying for uh, for the world to get this thing back in order so that we yeah. can have some semblance of, of normalcy. I mean, it's Agreed. just... It's, 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 it's well, so Rick, bizarre. The, well, Rick, here's the encouraging thing is that uh, a couple days ago, and I don't know if the same thing happened the next two days, but in China where all this thing originated, um, two days be ago- Be careful, you're going to be called a racist by saying that. No, nah, I don't care about that. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you know what's funny, by the way, on a side note, I, so some junior high kids started calling this the, the boomer doomer. Or the, <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny, even though it was morbid. But no, I don't, who cares about all that? That's oversensitive content my my point is in china the last two days they have no new cases and so if you look at the calendar like i mean you know they've taken these similar social distancing shutdown measures and it's taken them close to two months to have no new cases right so they're on the rebound businesses are starting to open again so the way i see it if we follow this similar practice it's two months suck it up by hopefully middle late may we'll start seeing normalcy resume and the great news for Canyon Rick is the Olympics have not made any announcements pertaining to delays. No, I so, just read now that they're going to do everything within their power to try to have the Olympics when they're scheduled to have them and keep the safety there. So that's, that's good. But of course that can always change. We don't know what's going to transpire. Um, it's just a, it's a bizarre situation that exists right is. now. It really truly is. All right. Time to take a quick break to talk to you about true classic teas. Super excited about this new sponsor of Warriors 24. Style is changing, formal wear is out, and the t-shirt is in. Especially in these days and days and ages where you're locked up in your house. Chances are you're going for comfort. Chances are you're wearing a t-shirt. True classic tees are my favorite. And I'm positive it's also Rick Barry's favorite. They're based in LA and a t-shirt company that is on the rise. The t-shirts are soft, which to me is so important. It's all about comfort. They hold up in the wash, incredibly versatile. You could wear them out. You can wear them to work. You can wear them around the house, which is all we're doing in this day and age. And the best part is they're incredibly cheap. It's only 15 bucks. So talking about gift buying in this day and age where no one's going out, buy them a, a true classic tee. It's only 15 bucks, and they're available for even less than that. If you go to trueclassictees.com and use this code at checkout, believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, you'll get 20% off. That's it. Just go to trueclassictees.com. Again, trueclassictees, T-E-E-S.com. 
Use the promo code BELIEVE, that's spelled B-L-E-A-V, representative of the BELIEVE Podcast Network. You get 20% off that amazing, soft, comfortable, true classic t-shirt. B-L-E-A-V. Use that promo code at trueclassictees.com. Get an extra 20% off what is already an amazing $15 deal for that soft, comfortable t-shirt. Well, Rick, the, one of the nice things, though, is that we can still talk basketball. And we actually have a great guest on the line joining us right now, Wes oh, Goldberg, uh, the Warriors beat reporter for the San Jose Mercury News. Wes, are you with us right now? I am. Excellent. Hi, Wes. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Well, doing great. I guess actually California <laughs> is even crazier than other places. I know my, my son, <laughs> my son Scooter said that they're locked in there, what, three weeks that, they, that they're on uh, quarantine, that they only have to go out for emergencies yeah. or food or whatever it is. Wow. Yeah. 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 I'm in, the middle of, uh, I'm in the middle of San Francisco, like right in, the, right in the center of it all. And I actually, I don't know, I don't know if I broke the rules or not yesterday, but I went out for a walk just because I had to get out of my little apartment here. Uh, and there's like, there's just nobody on the street. Yeah. It you're, is. Lucky you didn't get arre- it's, you're lucky it's you didn't get arrested. No, you no, you're not arrested. breaking the rules. You're not breaking the rules. One, one of the rules in terms of all this <laughs> shutdown is you are allowed to go out for walks and to conduct healthy exercise. So no, you're perfectly fine doing that. Yeah. Well, okay. okay. Well, there we go. There you go. So you're, you're, you're okay. You yeah. get locked up. Anyway, well, thanks for joining us. I mean, it's, it's so crazy. I mean, you put on TV and you're seeing reruns of everything and people, hey, I saw you on TV. I said, what are you talking about? I didn't do anything recently on television. <laughs> They're running basketball, a love story and all these other, re, re, you know, rebroadcasting all the other things that they had. And I guess they're thrilled to death that the NFL at least has got some stuff going on because yeah. it's given them something to talk about. But basketball is... Uh, you know, it's kind of crazy. But of course, your thoughts on, on what happened, what transpired with regards to uh, the steps that they've taken and how do you see this playing itself out? Boy, uh, you know, I think as far as the steps that they took, um, it did see like the NBA kind of was following the the step of, you know, the government or federal government mostly, um, which has also been very much behind on this entire situation. And so, I think you look at what the NBA did being behind, you know, what, what just kind of getting in front of this coronavirus thing. I mean, I just go into the chase center for a couple of warriors games. They had things posted about, Hey, enter in your own risk. Uh, there is risk at attending these basketball events because of the, the coronavirus pandemic. And that was sort of, and you know, they did that and put out a bunch of Purell bottles and you look back on that. And just the fact that we weren't allowed in locker rooms and that, you know, sports reporters were complaining about that. Uh, that was like two weeks ago and, and to see like how far it's come to this point. Um, I do think that there is a little bit of blame to put on the league and, you know, organizations and things like that for maybe not taking, uh, steps earlier to get in front of this, but, and, and to help prevent the spread of this. But at the same time, they were in front of every other sports league, right? It was after the NBA announced their postponement that, the NCAA started postponing their things and that, you know, the PGA started postponing events and, you know, major league baseball stopped spring training and all these things. So it took a domino to fall and it's just unfortunate that it was as late as it was, but it's, it's hard to sit here an armchair quarterback, um, you know, in hindsight, knowing where, where it, it went the last couple of weeks, you know? 
Well, so it's, it's kind of like, you know, you can't win for losing. I mean, it really wouldn't matter what they did. Whatever they did, they're <laughs> going to be criticized. I mean, seriously. They, right. They, 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 you can't win in a situation like this because it's kind of like the two-party system in politics. I hate to be politics up into sports, but it's like you can't really please it. It's either you're for one side or you're the other yeah. side. And the same thing here. And Regardless of what he had done, there would have been people that would have disagreed with it. But I think overall, Adam Silver has done a terrific job in handling it. And then all the bizarre stuff that happened where you know, Rudy Gobert coming down and testing positive and Kevin Durant and some of these other players, it just shows you what the potential of this is. And fortunately for them, they're young. They obviously are in great health. It's just going to be a matter of dealing with it. They'll get over it. And it's not like it was a life-threatening situation. But some of the other stuff, I, I've done a lot of reading on this. It, it, the things that happen, like in Italy, it happened at a little village where in, in Italy, they don't really take a lot of care and do a lot of stuff for people who are 80 years old or more. Right. <laughs> so that's right. why the death toll is all, so they're high. they're all smoking cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. and they're all just smoking. Yes. They got lung problems. They got all, they fit yeah. all of the parameters for the most at-risk people who have a chance to right. die. And that's kind of what's happening. So, uh, that, but that doesn't lessen the severity <laughs> of it. I mean, you just no, don't it, want to have well, it going on. And Wait. another thing with you not not being able to win for losing, it, it was a good way to put it. I mean, you look at what the the league. Okay, they so the Warriors they announce on a Wednesday, hey, we're not going to play games in front of fans anymore, uh, which means all these arena workers are out of their hourly pay wages, right? And so then the NBA does the whole thing. So now all these arena workers across the league are out of their hourly pay wages. And the criticism comes in like, well, what are you going to do for those? Guys? Within like minutes of them doing that, well, what are you going to do for these workers? Like we didn't even give them like a day to figure out how to compensate these guys. Like they were just like, no, you don't have a plan in place already. Like Twitter's coming after you. And so the, but on the flip side of that, like what if they had suspended the league two weeks before that? So on one hand, they're getting criticized for not paying um, employee workers, you know, uh, for after suspending the season, but they would have been out of work two weeks earlier. So, you know, does that make sense? Like on one yeah. hand, they don't, they didn't want them to suspend the season. On the other hand, they wanted them to keep the season playing so that they could pay wage workers. And it's just like, all right, well, everybody's trying to figure this out on the fly. So there's really never going to be an, an, a right way to do this. And now what the league is doing as far as trying to figure out ways to uh, resume the season. I mean, they're even getting criticized for that at this point. I'm like, well, if you're commissioner Adam Silver, what that's your job is to figure out the NBA. I don't want to just get on here and talk and just like defend the NBA like nonstop, but it's literally their job to put out a product and it's mm -hmm. their job to figure out whatever contingency plans there might be available to put out a product, whether it's, you know, a playing tournament or resuming the playoffs or whatever it's going to be like all these things have to be on the table and they, all these things have to be, plan so that if and when we come out of this thing and then we return to normalcy at any point, he could just sort of press the button and get things going again. Yeah, it's not that easy, unfortunately. And even though when you brought that up, it was something else I was going to discuss with you. Just think about what the alternatives are. So if they have to push it back, they have to be careful. People say, oh, maybe they'll go and they'll start it in late June and what have you. Well, you've got the Olympics who are trying to go forward. And if they're able to start the season in June and the Olympics can go on, well, what mm -hmm. happens then? Because some of the players are supposed to be hopefully Olympians to play in the Olympics. And do you want to really go and have a situation where you're going to be playing the NBA playoffs during the Olympics? I mean, there's so many other things and factors that have to be taken yeah. into consideration. And then how long does it take you to get started? So right now, I know for a fact that I was just my son Canyon is back home with me and he came from the G League. They, they were told that they are not to work out in any other facilities except their own, but their own are shut down. 
So even if you're staying right. in the city where you happen to be in the G League, which most players don't anyway, mm -hmm. I mean, they, where do they go to work out? Where do they go to keep themselves sharp? So the same for the NBA players. Are they? Do, have you heard anything about that? Are they allowing the players to go in and work out in their facilities and trying to keep a safe environment there? Otherwise, because I know from firsthand experience, I can assure you that if you don't play, okay, if you do not play basketball for more than a couple of days, it's going to have a major impact yeah. on you, Wes. I mean, it really is. You're going to lose so much after a couple of days off you can get away with. But if you're not playing and keeping – you're not going to be in game-playing shape. Yeah, I mean, not to compare myself to you and the level of play that you had, but even like working out my local 24-hour fitness, if I don't go play pickup for two weeks, I, I lose my wind really quick, you know, when, I, when I'm just playing pickup basketball. So – I like I get it, and th that's why these guys. If you're going to resume the season, there's going to need to be almost a a preseason of some kind to get these guys back in shape. Uh, as far as players go, I mean, the Warriors, for example, were allowing their players to work out there at their facility before Monday, but by on Monday they shut down their facility altogether. So you're not allowed to go work out, and now that's been the case across the league. Players are just not allowed to go work out of facilities. It's it's you you got to self quarantine. You're you're staying at home. And, you know, for a guy like, let's say, LeBron James, that doesn't matter. That dude's got, a, you know, probably a thousand basketball courts and weight rooms mm -hmm. and things like that and whatever house that he's deciding to stay at right now, right? So, but for a guy like, you know, uh, you know, Alex Caruso on the Lakers, like, he might not have a at-home gym. He might not have a pickup court where he could just go, you know, play some, play some basketball and stay in shape. I mean, some of these players, I, we're talking about guys in, in San Francisco, I know, like, the lakes of, like, Eric Paschal and Marquise Chris and these guys who are just in their, their little, you know, 500-foot square, you know, 500-square-foot apartments, studio apartments in, in the city. They probably don't even have a treadmill in there, right? Because they're just used to walking down the street, going to Chase, and having this state-of-the-art facility at their disposal. Uh, so for a lot of these guys, it's sort of just, I don't know, you do push-ups and jumping jacks in the middle of your – Room, I yeah, guess. you do. Like, you know, seriously, you do. I, my son's staying, and yeah. yesterday we had a workout. He had a thing to do. We did these other things, and we had to do the push-ups, and we did this, and we did. So he's got a whole program he's trying to do to keep himself in shape, and then go out and you know go for a run and 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 try the best that you can. But to try to go, where do you go? to go and shoot around and get on a court right. where you can do things. And they say, oh, we'll go outdoor court. Well, trying to go on an outdoor court, if you folks who haven't ever done that, I mean, you know, to get a ball, to try to get it bounce right, because when he plays in three on three, they play outdoors. But the thing is, they have a special court that's put down mm -hmm. outdoors that you can get some uniformity for the ball to bounce properly and what have you. And you try to go play in a playground thing and you, you take a dribble and all of a sudden the ball goes left instead of coming straight back to you. I mean, it's right. an interesting experience. So it's going to be very interesting to see what, what transpires with this uh, and, and how they're going to go about doing it. My thought is, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this, Wes, and because and, <clears throat> I, I – I, I think it's important to come up with something here. And by the way, folks, we're talking to Wes Goldberg's joining us here in Warriors 24. He's the beat reporter for the San Jose Mercury News, and we appreciate him joining Cyrus and me here. And is that, you know, what are they going to do? Are they just going to end the season? To me, it seems the only logical thing would be forget trying to get the whole season and just go with the standings the way they are now. It's not like guys are fighting. I mean, they're in position as to where they'll be in the standings as far as one through eight. But after eight, it's not like there's a whole bunch of people that might be able to make it into the playoffs. Uh, I, I, there's no doubt that that's the right way to go. And look, you might get, you know, Portland Trailblazers fans might be upset because they had 17 games to try to grab the eighth seed. But you know what? Like, this all sucks, right? Like, nothing's going to be perfect. Nothing, there's no ideal solution to all of this. 
just get it started. Just eight. And honestly, I think if you do, if you just seed it the way it is right now, uh, I, I think you need to do a truncated version of the playoffs where maybe it's a five game series in the first round. Let's get it over with. Let's get things moving. Maybe you're not getting you know, every once in a while you have those two and three days in between games. I mean, you're probably gonna have to get rid of that and shorten travel and, you know, maybe not to the extent of back to backs, but um, even, you know, when you're traveling from one city to the other during a series, maybe there's a little bit less time off. I mean, you, you need to kind of, you know, shorten the season. You got to compact mm-hmm. it a little bit this postseason. So there's going to be ways that they could go about that. But uh, overall, I think what you need to do is don't no no regular season stuff. Sorry, games are lost. It, it sucks. But, you know, you do a, probably a week, maybe uh, three days, four days at where teams reopen their facilities. You get in scrimmages so you can kind of get back into game shape. You can get that win that you were talking about earlier and then just start the playoffs. Let's get going. Yeah, I think that they have to do something of that nature. It's a good suggestion to cut it back to you. Usually, you know, the best of five as opposed to the best of seven and Mm -hmm. see where, you know, see where you go. Don't have two or three days in between. And if they're going to be able to start their season, that means the Olympics are going to go on more than likely. Mm -hmm. And so you just, I just don't think from a PR standpoint that you want to be playing the finals of the NBA during the Olympics. Yeah. And like, look, if if that's the case where you have, to be doing it i mean we're, we're going to be like the olympic team is going to be made up of guys that are not in the playoffs right i mean the warriors will they'll be fine they'll be they'll you know <laughs> steph if he wants to be there and draymond clay like they can all they can all do it um but uh yeah it's, maybe that's just sort of we may be in a situation where we're watching playoff basketball with all of the you know the superstars and all-stars who are playing for playoff teams and then we're seeing all of our other stars who didn't make the playoffs playing at the Olympics and we're just going to be inundated with all of this basketball after going so long with no basketball at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a crazy, uh, it's a crazy scenario. There's no question about it. So let's get into something. Well, I don't even know, cause I don't know if you can find something positive about the Warriors, but we'll try to do that. Uh, what, what do you think, what do you think of this season and what the Warriors are attempting to do to see if you're in the same ballpark that uh, Cyrus and I are and our thoughts. So I'd love to hear your thoughts of how you feel this season worked out for the Warriors or is working out for them and what they're trying to accomplish. I mean, if you look big picture, I mean, it could have been worse, I guess. I, you know, if you're going to be bad, you might as well be the worst team in the league at this point. Um, they're going to have, they have a, you know, they're going to have a top five pick. That's going to be a way to sort of juice up this roster, but they've even decided, you know, this year, I mean, look, Steph Curry's injury, a lot of fans look at that as sort of the line of demarcation of the season. Like after Steph broke his hand, the whole season went in the tank. But I would implore, like, watch the first, you know, three and a half games of the year. The Warriors were really bad even with Steph Curry. Like they were not going to be good this year. I don't think that they were going to make the playoffs this year. Uh, And so this season was already sort of lost, I thought, uh, before Steph even got hurt. Uh, And then – uh, and this team, all, like they also look okay. All these injuries allowed them to go, you know, get younger. And it's like, no, they the off season. They had decided in the off season to go get younger. They let Andre Iguodala go. They, Sean Livingston walked away. They got rid of a lot of these veterans because they wanted to get younger. They had decided to, you know, in order to maybe elongate this dynasty or whatever this is, to elongate their window, that they needed to get younger, and that this was the year to do it with Kevin Durant leaving. So. They did that. They were going to get younger. A big part of the rotation was going to be guys that were younger than 24 years old, regardless of the injuries. And I thought overall, with what 
the guys that they found, you know, they maybe if they were if they were a little bit competitive, if Steph didn't get hurt, maybe they don't trade away Glenn Robinson at the deadline, right? But you know, Glenn Robinson was a nice young piece. I thought I think he could be a rotation piece. Uh, he he could always come back to the Warriors. You never know. But uh, you look at the other guys like Eric Paschal and Jordan Poole and Marquise Chris. You look at those three guys specifically. Those three guys are going to be rotation players. And I, I think with those three guys, they have found guys that not can, that can not only uh, help in an 82 game regular season, but they can probably help in the playoffs too. I think Eric Paschal, no, no doubt, he's probably going to be an isolation scorer. We'll see if he can eventually function within the ecosystem of an offense with Steph and Clay, whereas he's not going to he's going to have to do a lot more passing and playmaking than just you know, dribbling for six seconds at a time. But uh, Marquise Chris is a natural fit at center. He's a playmaking five. I think they've, you know, he got a job on this team because of his natural chemistry with Steph in the first place in the preseason. And so I think that partnership will only uh, enhance next year and only be made better when Clay Thompson is available. And then with Jordan Poole, I mean, if you're going to give an award for like most improved warrior over the course of the season, it's Jordan Poole and it's not even close. I mean, from where he started to where he ended that year, he got a lot better, and I've been in, extremely impressed with his basketball feel and just his playmaking ability and his anticipation with the ball in his hands. Uh, I've been on that way early with Jordan Poole, like since his days at Michigan. I thought that Michigan was using him wrong and that he was a ball handler more than just a catch-and-shoot guy, and they seem to have figured that out, and I think they have something with him too, potentially being you know the backup point guard for Steph going forward. So you, know, you, know, you nailed those three guys. You give rest to Steph, Clay, and Draymond, you know, reluctantly but you know you take some wear and tear off their off their tires and and you go into next season with you know a younger rotation a, an added draft pick you've got a couple of ways to add talent with the mid-level exception and the traded player exception I mean they can bounce back really quickly from this well I, I would concur with your evaluation except for for the thing with Jordan Poole I don't give Me a too. crap how well he handles the basketball he better learn how to shoot the ball better <laughs> I mean you know, he's shooting 33 yeah. percent from the field and 27.9 from three-point range Off you it. know I mean who's going to guard him I mean you're just going to back off of him what is he going to create for you just say go ahead and shoot it and then I think he thinks he's Steph because some of the shots that he was taking my god he's taking shots like Steph from you know, 28 feet and stuff his shot selection was horrendous and I know they sent him down to the G League team in Santa Cruz, and, you know, he had a couple of good games there. But, my gosh, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, 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 he's got he's to do well, a hell of a lot more improvement for me. Uh, he might end up being like Sean Livingston, right? I don't know if he is an outside shooter. He was an outside shooter kind of in college, but you look at his percentages at Michigan. I, just, I think Jordan Poole's problem was a branding problem. Hmm. Like he was sort of branded as this catch and shoot guy. And by the way, he was playing for beeline at Michigan. We see how things worked out for him. Like, I, I don't think that he was really put in the best spots in his two years over there. And so hmm. for me, it was just like, it was a marketing problem. Like he was marketed as this catch and shoot three and D guy. Well, first of all, he's not a, he's not a good three point shooter. He never really has been that good of a three point shooter. He's, he's got the confidence quote unquote. They throw that word around with, in regards to him all the time. I think it's a, I don't, I don't like using that word necessarily when it comes to rookies, but um, you know, and defensively, he's small and he's got a very hard ceiling to what he could do defensively. But uh, he got a lot better at finishing at the rim, over, you know, at the end of the year. He's using his shoulders a lot more. He's leaning into uh, into his finishes a lot more. He's, draw, he's like initiating the contact, which I thought he was, you know, being scared away from uh, earlier in his rookie year. And so I've been really impressed with that part of his game. And he's only going to get like Andrew Wiggins. I mean, he's only going to get more space to do that when he's playing with Steph. And Clay Thompson. Now, I'm not going to sit here and, and like I'm not I'm not saying he's a he's a future All Star or anything, but I think you could do a lot worse than you know you know Jordan Poole how he projects two or three years from now 
as your eighth or ninth guy. I think that's a valuable piece. And I found that. Well, yeah. yeah. No one was, well, to be clear, no one. Uh, got to shoot better. I'm sorry. He, he's got to shoot the ball better. Oh, to he's be got, and that'll get better. And, and the that'll thing is, no, and no one was forcing him to heave up those 30 footers that he was doing for most of the first half of the year. I, I, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if like he, he buy it into the branding that everyone else did, but he was certainly acting the part with those insane yeah. shots that he was throwing up. I'm, I'm, I'm with Rick. I'm not sold on Jordan Poole yet, but I also see what you see towards the end of the year where he kind of took a step back from being this spot up outside shooter and started being aggressive as a playmaker. Um, I did respect that. You know, the Warriors also picked up a couple other guys and I'd love to get your takes on this. You know, Dragan Bender was, was an interesting pickup. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's in the long-term picture as a center. Um, Michael Mulder was a fascinating pickup. They offered him a two-year deal, I think right away, but the player I'm most intrigued with, and I think, and I'm a little surprised they did not promote him right away to the G League because I think he could be an immediate fit for this team next year. That's Jonathan Simmons. Um, what's your take on that? Why did they not bring him up? Why are they hiding him out in G League, or at least they were? And do you see him as being an important fit next year? So the thing, uh, Jonathan Simmons, they were really interested in him, and they brought him to the G League, I think, because they were dealing with some other 10-day contracts that were on the roster, and then there was luxury tax implications and et cetera. So basically they couldn't bring him up to the regular roster right away. Um, and on the G League roster, he was playing well. He Actually, when Steph was, uh, did his one scrimmage in Santa Cruz, it was Jonathan Simmons that was guarding Steph Curry. So they had, uh. they had Simmons guard Steph Curry during that, that scrimmage, and Jonathan Simmons' team beat Steph Curry's team because Steph, Steph's uh, go-ahead, you know, potential game winner at the buzzer missed while Jonathan Simmons was guarding him. Hmm. So they literally just and, – and, and so that's, it's not just because that Jonathan Simmons has NBA experience that they did that. They were testing Simmons, right? They were testing Simmons like they were testing Steph in that situation. I think that they were high on Jonathan Simmons. I thought they were really interested in bringing him up. At some point, Dragon Bender's 10-day contract, I believe, expired last week, like on Saturday over the weekend. Mm -hmm. And so I think in the natural course of things, had you know the season not been postponed, I think that Bender, that was his second 10-day contract. So they were going to let him go and bring up Jonathan Simmons on 10-day just to see sort of what he had. Um, and again, you do the 10-day because it's cheaper and you stay under the luxury tax and then maybe you do another 10-day and then maybe you mm -hmm. end up signing him to a, a deal but I think he look. I, I, he's still on the radar for the Warriors. They haven't forgotten about him. Uh, he's getting paid out through the season because he had a G League contract. So he's still, you know, he's money. He's he's there, and he can stay. He'll, he'll still be a part of, you know, quote unquote, a part of the Warriors uh, team organization right now. Uh, and then, you know, this summer they're gonna have um, they're gonna have some options because there's not a whole lot of spots on this roster left. I mean, we're talking really about maybe one, two, or three real roster spots that are going to be competitive. Right. Uh, and, and that's including the first round pick. That's, in, that's including two second round. Like, they're going to have two second round picks this year. We'll see if they hold on to those guys. But they're going to go into training camp with probably two second round picks, a couple of free agent training camp invites, all kind of competing for one or two roster spots. And I do expect Jonathan Simmons to be one of those guys. I hope so, too. 
Yeah, well, there's a bunch of guys that are on this roster, and I you just look at their stats, and I know it's hard to judge on that because when you play limited minutes, it's a very difficult thing to put up impressive numbers. But you know, some of the things that you look at, I mean, I, I, one of the things I look at is you know how do you shoot free throws? I mean, if you're a 60 percent free throw shooter and you're not shooting well from the field, it's kind of telling you something about his shooting skills. <laughs> right. You should be a good free – if you're a good shooter, you're going to make free throws, all right? So, and they've got a number of guys on the roster that their shooting statistics are abysmal. And they really are. You're shooting 30-something percent from the field or low 40s, and you're shooting maybe, you know, maybe in the low 30s and threes. I mean, it's not like they have a skill. They say, wow, this guy could really knock down the three. So I, there's a, I think there's a lot more spots going to be available uh, come next year for the team. And I think they're going to bring a lot of people in and have to do some serious evaluation. I mean, they're probably the one guy that's made the most of his opportunity. I think this season uh, for a guy that didn't get much early was Damian Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, uh, he showed what he's capable of doing, given the opportunity to do it. And he took advantage of it and, and probably is going to get himself an opportunity to have a roster spot next year. Yeah, and with Damian Lee, I mean, his contract, they signed him to a con- – he was on the two-way, obviously, and they brought him up in the middle of the year um, and signed him to a, a non-guaranteed deal for next year. So his, his, he's not guaranteed to be part of next season, but he kind of is. Like, he's got so much equity within that organization, first of all. Right. They, they appreciate how hard he worked, that he just stuck it out for two years on two, or nearly two years on a two-way contract. And, I mean, he, there was a lot of nights out there where he was just putting up 20 points. It was and and he was just sort of their leading scorer, um, and he was their starting shooting guard for most of the year. And he projects pretty easily into uh, Clay Thompson's backup. Um, you know, he's not he's not defensively incredible, but he can hold his own. He can guard a couple of different positions. I mean, he just projects easily onto that roster, and he's a good you know bench scorer that this team really hasn't had in, in a few mm-hmm. years. Uh, that's going to be his role, and he can handle the ball enough and do enough with playmaking with the ball in his hands that. Uh, he can function within the flow of the offense. Um, and he may not go out and score 20-plus points a game next year, but really I'm interested to see what you think about this. But, like, the hard part for player evaluation this year when you're looking at Damian Lee and Pascal and Marquise Chris, all these guys, Jordan Poole, all the guys that we're talking about, you know, it's, it's one thing to go out and put up numbers and to be effective and sort of play through your mistakes in 20, 25 minutes a game. But they're not going to get 20, 25 minutes a game next year when everybody's healthy, right? So now you've got to, instead of playing through your mistakes, don't you now have to sort of just be efficient in your 10 or 12 or 15 minutes per game that you're getting? And Wes, that's going to be the hardest thing for the team to evaluate. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what it is, is you, and this is the thing, Cyrus and I have talked about this a lot during the course of, of this season, is that it's about your consistency, you, to get a guy right. that gets you 21 night and then he gets you four and then he gets you 18 and then he gets six, you'd rather have a guy getting you 10, 12, 14 on a regular basis and then occasionally he has mm-hmm. a big game. The, the consistency. So as a coach, I know if I put him in, I kind of have a pretty good idea of what I'm going to get from him. And so it's consistency right. on both ends of the court. And it's most important, and, and I know I heard you talking about, but this is the thing that I, I try to emphasize and make people understand in basketball. It's not how good you are as an individual defender. You don't win championships having five great individual defenders. You win championships having five great team defenders and bench players mm-hmm. who know how to play team defense. And if you have a couple of guys who can make it even harder on a guy who are really good defenders individually, now you have something. But if you just get, right. don't judge a guy on his individual defense, because individual defense is not going to win you championships. Hey, Wes, you, no, know, what we call, Wes, yeah. you know what we call that? We call that nothing uh, but the truth, baby. 
You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Most people can't. They can't yeah. handle that truth. That's one of my fun... I <laughs> I've never that seen that movie. <laughs> That's such what? a great... I've never... No? I've never oh. seen it. Pelican. I know Pelican Brief. I know the movie, but like, I just... I've never no, seen no. That's not no, Pelican. No, no, no. This is A Few Good Men. Yes. Oh, see? I don't know anything. No, no. A Few Good Men. <laughs> this, is a, this is A Few Good Men. Jack Nicholson and, uh, and Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah. Uh, you should watch it sometime. It's, but that's one of my favorite things. So we use that all the time when I have to come up with my, you know, you can't handle the truth. And I tell you, the, the bottom line is, is I don't know how you experience it, but most people can't handle the truth. In fact, it just kills me when people ask me a question and so I give them my honest answer and they get mad at me because I didn't give them an answer that they liked. I mean, my God, right. I mean, you know, you're entitled to your opinion. You don't have to agree with me, but don't get mad at me because you don't like what I said. <laughs> Heaven's sake. Yeah, no, that's what, that's why us millennials just create our own little bubbles where we just agree with everything that our friends say. <laughs> <laughs> well, it may, probably makes life a lot easier that way, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's no disagreements. Uh, we all live in harmony. It's great. And Wes, you have so much. You have so much free time now. I highly recommend watching that movie. Yeah. A few good men. I'm adding it to my uh, list. I've got like seventy six movies on that list, so it's definitely on there now. Yeah, I'm just, my uh, my fear. My fear is is that what what I mean. We're probably gonna get an overload on the internet and stuff for Wi Fi and stuff like that to be able to not yep. be able to watch stuff because everybody's indoors oh. and that's all you got to do. Rick, that's when the world ends. Is if we lose our streaming and our internet, oh, oh you're gonna see riots on the streets if that, if that happens. <laughs> All right, let's talk about betting, the foundation of sports, baby. And while you're waiting this ridiculousness at home, you can still have some fun betting at betonline.com. I know, March Madness is gone, NBA is not around, but betonline.com still has hundreds of places to wager, including an online casino with poker and blackjack. That sounds fun. I want to do that right now. BetOnline.com. And sports aren't totally done. There's still mixed martial arts. You can bet on American Idol. You can bet on political elections, the spelling bee, even Nathan's hot dog eating contest. You need fun things to do at home right now. Go to BetOnline.com. There is fun to be had there. I want to play some blackjack right now. That's BetOnline.com. And if you use the promo code MYPOD100, okay, Again, the promo code MYPOD100, you can receive half off. That is a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. And that's not a half off, I'm sorry. It's a, it's a bonus. So that means if you, put, if you deposit $100, you get an extra $50. All you got to do is use the promo code MYPOD100 to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.com. BetOnline, the fun never ends. Oh, you're right. But let me ask you very quickly, as you looked at it, as the season had unfolded in front of you, uh, who do you like in the East and who do you like in the West? Hmm. Um, I've been on the Lakers since begin since before the season. I do think we have a tendency to overthink this stuff a little bit. And I look at the Lakers, like, I know, like the Warriors were great the last few years, but they kind of created this like weird fit fetish across the rest of the league where, you know, all your pieces need to fit perfectly together in order to win anything. And it's like, okay. But also they had Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. So that was also more helpful than I think the fit overall. And then, mm-hmm. cause I look at teams in the past that have won, and the fit wasn't perfect all the time, but you just had like really good, talented players 
conceding certain things and negotiating certain things and, and just playing well together. I mean, I think about like the, the LeBron James era Miami Heat, which tends to get forgotten when we discuss like greatest teams of the decade. Um, like Dwayne Wade and LeBron James, everybody's like, oh, how are they going to fit together? They like to play on the same side of the floor. They like to go left, all this stuff. You know what? LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, they figure it out and they won two championships. Uh, so I do think that we sort of think too hard about this stuff sometimes. And that's why I've been on the Lakers, you know, ever since the beginning. I was like, okay, yeah, maybe like Rajon Rondo is not the best fit. Maybe all this stuff doesn't necessarily fit. Maybe you don't want Anthony Davis and JaVale McGee in the front court. But at the end of the day, they're the only team in the league with two top five players. They have LeBron and they have Anthony Davis. And I think we need to just concede that and just say, all right, this team should be and ought to be the favorite in the West. And I still like them over the Clippers. Um, I think it'll be close between those two teams. Obviously, I like some of the moves that the Clippers made during the season. But uh, so for me, though, I do like uh, it's more, I guess, out of stubbornness than anything. But I do actually believe in the Lakers. I think they can come out of the West. Uh, and by the way, if you give LeBron James three months off just to rest with, uh, you know, what he's got at his disposal, I mean, just forget about it. Like, I don't care. Uh, like, just forget about it. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. So that's that's my West. <laughs> and in the East, in the East, I like, uh, I, you know, Milwaukee is easy enough to say. I still have questions about the rest of that roster. Um, but there are like the Miami heat have just seemed to play well against the Milwaukee bucks. I think the, the East is interesting in that it could really be determined by the matchups and how the seating plays out. Now, if the, if the seating is the way it is, you know, I think the bucks have a pretty clear path um, to, to the NBA finals if we ever get to that point. But um, I wouldn't count out the Miami heat if they were able to get the right matchup and able to meet the bucks in the finals, because they have so many bodies to throw at Giannis. And if you just make the rest of that team beat you, I don't think that they can. So I mm-hmm. think the East is a little bit more ripe for an upset. Yeah, I, w- I would concur with you, except I think it's going to come down for the Lakers that uh, if there's anything that's going to make your prediction possibly not come true, it would be the Clippers' defense could be the difference. I think the Clippers are a better defensive team than the Lakers, and the Lakers just have to yeah. make sure that they elevate their defense to a reasonable level. I mean, and I've said for years, you don't have to be the best defensive team, but you have to be a good defensive team. There's never been a team in all the years that I've watched basketball as a kid growing up, you know, played the game, uh, was part of the game and pro level, did broadcasting and stuff that a team has won an NBA championship that wasn't a good defensive team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the, the closest thing that we ever got to that was, what was that, what was that Cavaliers team that had like, at that point was like the greatest offense like ever by offensive rating, but their defense was like 20 something and they made it to the finals and they obviously got like wiped away by the Warriors. But that was like the closest we ever got to a, just a straight up bad defensive team, even getting close right. to a championship. So yeah, I, I agree with you, but I think that, you know, if you're, if you're the Lakers, first of all, you got Anthony Davis who, you know, two years ago was a defensive player of the year candidate. Uh, I think he, he wipes away a lot of your issues when you play him at center. Um, and then uh, LeBron, when he actually, like there's been a couple of times in these Clippers games where he's, you know, waved guys off and he's went at Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and, and defended those guys. And if he ramps up that, that end of the, that, that part of his game in a playoff setting, and maybe it's not the entire game, but maybe it's like last six minutes of the fourth quarter where he's just doing that. Um, that's, that's pretty tough, but um, look, I'm not, I'm not saying that the Lakers are going to wipe, wipe the, the Clippers off the floor, but um, I still like their ceiling more than, than I, I think they have a higher ceiling than they, than the Clippers do, but you know, I, I just be wrong. I mean, what that. do you think about that? Yeah. 
I just hope we see that series. I, I mean, the, the hype is real. You know, yeah. we, we've been wanting this for I don't know how many months. I just hope that happens. Do you get to vote for um, MVP and all that stuff? Yeah, so me and the other newspaper out here with the San Francisco Chronicle, we rotate uh-huh. uh, votes every year. So he got All-Star this year, which means I get end-of-season awards. If oh. that, I, this, I don't even know if that's even going to happen. So, well, we'll who, who, I have to ask, who are you voting for? Like, who are your picks for at least the major awards? Mm, so I haven't really gotten down to a decision on these yet. Um, but I, there's a couple <laughs> of obvious ones. I think, you know, MVP, it would have been really – like, that's the thing. Like, it, I think – at this point, I would vote Giannis, and I wouldn't think twice about it. But man, LeBron was really making his his case, and like maybe that was a, it was a big marketing thing too, like credit to ESPN and Clutch Sports for for really pushing <laughs> that narrative. But mm-hmm. uh, like he was doing some stuff that made you have to think about it. But at this point, um, I would give it to Giannis, uh, and then you know, Defensive Player of the Year. I'd need to look at it a little bit more. Most Improved Player of the Year, I think, is a really obvious one with Bam Adebayo on the Heat. I mean, he's just been. He's literally elevated himself from Hassan Whiteside's backup to maybe the second most valuable center in the league at this point. Uh, third, you know, most valuable center in the league at this point. Uh-huh. So uh, I, 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 those are the easy ones. Um, well, Sayakim, look at but what Sayakim's done. I mean, he turned himself into a hell of a player when they lost, uh, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. Quiet, so he's yeah. a good one. But hey, here, so I got to ask you this one, and I think I know what the answer will be. <laughs> okay, so in the Western Conference, who has been like the most, the biggest disappointment? Hmm. Uh, the biggest disappointment. That's mm. a good yeah, question. There's probably um, two. There's, it's, it's two. It's two teams in my mind. There's only two teams you can pick. What the Warriors and the Trailblazers? No, no, not the Warriors. When nobody knew they were doing the oh, Trailblazers, okay. but also the Rockets. Oh, the Rock- well, I mean, that's the other thing. The Rockets, man, that would have been great to see. I mean, I was enjoying watching their extreme small ball thing just because it was different. It was like kind of interesting just from an experiment standpoint to watch. But what if you give the Rockets now? I mean, their their problem, right, is that everybody you can't play that way through the playoffs, right? You just you don't have enough size. You're, there's gonna be too much wear and tear. You're just going to take up. You're going to get banged up physically too much to get through the playoffs. Now they have three months of rest. To re, like PJ Tucker has got three months to sort of get his body back right, and all these things. Like all these, all their small forwards playing center have three months of rest off to to you know compensate for that wear and tear. It'll be interesting to see if they can come out in the playoffs. If again, if the playoffs ever happen, and just sort of you know come out gangbusters on a team and just can, like run teams off the floor because they're going to be fresh. They're yeah, one well, of the teams, he, I think, that would really take advantage of a, of a, of a break. Well, yeah, yeah, listen to Wes Goldberg, the Warriors beat writer, a reporter from the San Jose Mercury News here on Warriors 24. I'm Rick Barry, along with Cyrus Satchis. But here's the thing, though, is that it's an advantage for them, as you bring it up, if they cut it back and do best of five. Because in best of seven, usually the mm-hmm. better team can, can prevail, but you can get by with a best of five. It's a lot easier. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, it, you've got the variance thing that Daryl Moore talks about, yeah. Is it weird that I'm actually really excited to see all these variances and stepping away from norms possibly when we enter the playoffs? I, I wouldn't mind seeing a couple of best of five series. I mean, I don't know. I know why they got rid of it. It was mostly for financial reasons, but bring it on. Yeah. I mean, because when you get best of five, those oh, yeah. games carry so much more weight than best of seven. Um, the best yeah, thing about sports is when they're unpredictable. I am when it comes to yeah. sports, I am pro chaos in almost yes. all aspects. Like just make <laughs> it as weird as possible, make it as chaotic as possible. Like there is no downside to it at all. There, there's no downside. You get viewers to tune in for longer. 
Like, let's just make it as weird as possible. I see no reason why not to do that. Well, I always say this is my motto for the NBA. Always expect the unexpected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In basketball, anything can happen. It's a crazy game. I've experienced it, been on both sides of it. Fortunately, on the best side of it one year. <laughs> but, I mean, it. this is – you just don't know. You really, truly don't know. It's true. You know, uh, one of the many weird things about these current times is the fact that NBA teams and their scouting departments basically are not going to be able to properly evaluate prospects. I mean, the games are done. March Madness is canceled. And as of right now, you can't even bring prospects in because of travel restrictions and practice facilities being closed. So we're going to be relying a lot on video word of mouth. I mean, that, that whole aspect is fascinating to me in terms of who players draft. Um, but, but what we do know is that pretty much the slate is set and the teams now, for the most part, are probably starting their evaluation process. The Warriors basically face one of three options. Uh, Steve Kerr came out in an inter- interview from beautiful San Diego where he's staying right now. And he basically said the Warriors options for the draft are either picking a player who's a projection, meaning they could be great down the road, won't do much for us now, an immediate impact guy or trading the pick and acquiring a veteran. Um, you, you mentioned off the air before we did this interview that you've been doing your research in terms of the Warriors draft. Lay it down for us. What do you think is going to happen? Who do you think would be the best fit as a draft pick for this team? Well, it, it's largely going to depend on where this pick falls. And I don't mean that as a cop-out answer, but they have the worst record in the league. They have a 14% chance of getting the number one pick, but so do three other teams. Okay, and I think fans do tend to lose sight of that. And they tend to lose sight of the fact that they actually have a better chance at picking number five. They have a 50% chance of getting the fifth pick in the draft. Mm, okay, so they have yuck. a much better chance of picking number five than they do in the, any other pick, any of the other top four picks, let alone the number one pick. So if they, it, it depends. I think if they end up with the number one pick, I think the decision is pretty clear what to do there with who you're going to take. But if you end up with the number five pick, You've got a lot more questions now. It's mm-hmm. going to be largely determined by who falls to you, uh, what other options are available to you. But I, I think that the Warriors would prefer, if they don't get the number one pick, they would prefer to have number five because I just don't think that there's anything for them at number two or three. Okay? Mm-hmm. And yeah. you might end up having to reach at that point. Or you can trade back, uh, which I think is also on the table. Uh, but, uh, again, it's, just, it's largely going to determine where everything falls after mm-hmm. the uh, draft lottery. So, so let's say number one. I, I let's do, get the first yeah. pick. If, if who gets what would they do with the first pick? I think they would yeah. take Anthony Edwards. I think that's just an easy projection. He he slides right into everything they need. Um, I and look, this is this is just you know based on is an educated guess that I'm that I have. But um, you look at like Andrew Wiggins was a nice start to filling the need at the wing, but it was only a start. Like they need so much depth there that uh, I think Anthony Edwards fits in well. He's not a perfect prospect, but this draft class is not, does not have a perfect prospect. But if you're looking for a guy who can run the floor, who can cut to the basket, who, okay, his shooting wasn't great at Georgia, but, uh, you know, to Rick's free throw point, like, he's a decent free throw shooter. I think he's a 77% free throw shooter, which is okay. Uh, and you could project that out. Um, and he's been asked – he basically was asked to do too much at Georgia. He's, he's playing point guard there. He needs to be off the ball. He'll have plenty of space like Andrew Wiggins to cut to the basket and playing with Stephen Clay. Again, just for all the reasons Andrew Wiggins makes sense and is a good fit for this Warriors team, Anthony Edwards is a good fit for this team. So I think you just 
put him into the wing rotation right away, and he's going to be above average for you defensively. Um, and he has nice basketball feel. He's got kind of the things that the Warriors tend to look for in their draft picks. So I think that's easy. I don't buy the James Wiseman thing. I don't think that they're going to take James Wiseman. They Why? don't want to pay centers ten. They don't want to pay a center ten million dollars a year. They just mm-hmm. don't. And like we we also forget that you have to pay these guys a lot of money. And if the Warriors want to do a bullpen approach to the center position, which they typically have done, right? They just paid Kevon Looney. They're hoping that he can return to form. They they love Marquise Chris, and they're paying him next to nothing, you know. And but you kind of want to keep those salaries low so that you can sort of rotate through and you can play three or four of those guys. Cause if you're paying one of them 10 million a year, then all of a sudden that guy needs to be on the floor and he needs to be on the floor, by the way, at the end of games, when you're trying, you're, you're possibly wanting to go small with Draymond green at the five and kind of do your death lineup thing. Like it's really hard to sell that to a rookie who is making $10 million a year. And I, I James Wiseman doesn't project well to what the Warriors want to do. He can run the floor, but that's about it. Like, he's not versatile offensively. Just because you shoot threes doesn't mean you should be. Uh, I, I just I, – I don't I, – I just don't – like, he's compared to Joel Embiid, which I think is malpractice. Like, we were talking about, like, Joel Embiid out of Kansas. Like, we were comparing him to Akeem Olajuwon. Like, just because they're both seven feet and like to shoot threes in college doesn't mean they're the same player. So, uh, I, I don't think Wiseman's necessarily on the board. LaMelo Ball just doesn't fit. He's one of those guys that you need, he needs the ball for 25 minutes a game to do really mm-hmm. anything. Uh, and so I just don't see him as a fit where Anthony Edwards, again, he projects well off the ball. He does, he, he hits a couple of check marks that you need. Um, and I just think it's an, it's an easy, it's an easy pick at that point, but only if you have the number one pick, cause I think he's going to end up going number one mm-hmm. based on m- most of these, uh, projections. And by the way, because the NV, the, the March Madness is over and all the scouting things are, are done. Isn't this like the bloggers, big boards, like dream scenario. Like literally everybody who makes a big board has as much information as GMs and scouts. Now, like we all have the same information. We are all like, this is, we are all with the same base, you know, info and intelligence to make. Yeah. Yeah. It's a level playing field. It'll be really interesting to see what happens. Rick, what do you think about that? That's that's I love the strong opinions. I love it. Rick, what are well, your thoughts? No, no, that's great opinions. I just have a difficult time picking a six foot five guy who can only, doesn't even score twenty points a game and doesn't have great shooting statistics as my number one pick. Um, and I still think, and, and and I can see if you don't have a center who can do it. I would personally, if I can make the deal and trade to get somebody and get somebody with some size and pick up a couple of players to. I, they need to do it by committee. There's no question about it, but they got to get some kind of a rim protector. They got to get somebody else to help. I mean, Looney stepped up his game in the playoffs and I thought he had a courageous playoffs mm-hmm. playing the way he was with playing hurt, but yeah. they they got to yeah. get some help there. I just, I just find it difficult to see teams winning championships without some kind of semblance of, some big people inside. I mean, I know everybody plays outside now in a lot of games you watch, you never even see a center on the court or you see a guy like, you know, who can play center, but all she is wants to go outside and shoot threes all the time. I mean, you know, Davis is an example, as you said, he can be very effective playing the center, but he's probably more effective, you know, playing out on the wing and coming off the weak side and helping. If you had another guy in there who can just go in there and score some points inside, block some shots, get some rebounds for you. I'm just a big believer in, 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 and having some big people that can play just like uh, when we won the championship, I mean, we had a two headed monster. 
Clifford Ray started, yeah. George Johnson off the bench. We had 12 fouls to use. We had a guy that could be physical as hell, another guy that was more of a finesse guy, block some shots, do what you have to do. And between them, we got huge numbers, rebounds and points. And, and I, I, I like that. See, that's what I like. If I were them, that's in today's game and doing stuff, that's what I would try to find. I'd try to find the two-headed monster center, you know, guys that can go and – be willing to play the roles, do that. In fact, in game seven of the playoffs, I just talked to somebody the other day in the Western Conference Finals, when when I, I sucked and was on the bench in game number seven, which is, I said, tell people, I said, it's Al Battle's second greatest move as a coach was benching me in game seven. And then we had George Johnson out there. And who's cheering the most for George Johnson? It was Clifford Ray. George is the guy yeah. that helped get it. We held Chicago score to seven and a half minutes. But that's the kind of thing as a coach that I would like to have have the versatility that if I can go finesse or I can go physical, but I'm going to have some people who can be factors for me inside and protect the rim. Yeah, that's exactly how I think the Warriors approach that position too, which is, again, if you're not believing in James Wiseman as your all-around center, right, mm-hmm. if, if it, then, then you kind of have to go with that approach. And I don't think you can pick him at number one because you just can't you can't give him the reins when he isn't the guy that can fill all those needs. So instead you go with Marquise Chris, who is your finesse ball handler, rim runner guy. Then you have mm-hmm. Von Looney who can, in defensive situations, can come in and but, switch all five positions. Yeah, but how much better is he than Damian? I'm saying to cut you up, but how much better is he than Damian Lee, who has experience? Uh, Damian Lee? At, at guard? I'm talking. Yeah, I'm talking about. I think that Lee can handle the Bulls' new stuff. He got Steph playing backup. I don't. know. You're talking oh, about him being the backup. You're talking about this guy coming in to be yeah, a backup. Edwards. Edwards. West, Edwards. Oh, I, Anthony Edwards. No, yeah, I think, sorry. I I think Edwards up. could be. Uh, I think Edwards could be Andrew Wiggins' backup, and Damian Lee could project as Clay Thompson's backup. Look, hmm. I think you're better off serve having more wings and having more depth at that position than you are paying a center who you don't believe in. No, no, I agree with you 100. percent But what I'm saying is trade it away. And get somebody oh, you yeah, can bring no, in and get another yeah, yeah. draft pick and then pick up another guy that you can bring in. You probably can get some veteran guy who might be free who can help fill the role of you know right. being that other guy. And maybe Looney will be the one. But I would agree with you 100%. To pay that kind of money for somebody like that makes no sense. That's why I think right. the logical thing for them to do would to do a trade. Yeah, Trade off that draft that's, pick that's to get why, somebody who really adds to the equation. And, that, and that's why I said like before – you know, if, if, if they had their choice, you'd have number, you'd get the number one pick, which is obviously the most valuable pick, so you could do a lot of things with it. Um, and look, we, just because you want to trade back doesn't mean a trade's going to be there. I don't know that the other right. team like – every other team also knows that this draft sucks. So it's not like everybody's <laughs> going to be clamoring yeah. to get up to the top of the draft. So that's why I say in lieu of the number one pick, I think you'd rather have number five than like two or three because when you get to number five, now you start talking about, okay – uh, you look at the Obi Toppins of the world or the Denny Azidas of the world and things like that. These like six nine to six ten guys mm-hmm. who could play power forward for you. And when we go back to that versatility with the rim protection and what you could do with the four and the five spot, I mean, last year with Kevin Durant, I mean, what the thing that made Kevin Durant so valuable, of course it was the shot making thing, but they had plenty of that. It was the fact that when he played center, and by the way, he played center a lot and he covered up mm-hmm. for Draymond Green, who a lot he let Draymond play four the four a lot. Like you could argue that there were times where Kevin Durant was the best center in the league over the last couple of years. And they missed that a lot by not having him out there. And I think if you can go get a four who, who can protect the rim a little bit and can, and can take some of that pressure off of Draymond Green to do it all, all the time, that to me is going to be hugely valuable if they can go find that. That to me, if I'm the Warriors, that is the number one thing I'm looking for this year is 
who is the guy who could be like that Harrison Barnes type body, that Kevin Durant type body, who can play the four and provide some rim protection, some help side defense. And things like that. That is what they are missing more than anything, I think. Get another guy that can get you 10 to 15 points and 10 or more rebounds mm-hmm. and play so, some so defense. Wes, if the, if the Warriors do fall to, let's say, like the fifth pick, would you at that point, if James Wiseman is available, would you support that pick or are you just really anti-Wiseman? I only say this because I, <laughs> I've, I don't know much about him, and, and this is where I defer yeah. to the experts, you know? Um, I personally, there's two guys I just wouldn't have on my board right now. And it's Lamella okay. Ball. If I'm the Warriors, it's Lamella uh-huh. Ball and a James Wiseman. I just yeah, don't see it. I just don't, I, I would rather have with a Kobe top. Yeah. 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 Um, if, if it's five and Wiseman's there, you might just hold your nose and say, let's do it anyway. But the other, like, you know, I don't want to pretend that I know James Wiseman, but the thing, like kind of the rap that's on him out there is he just doesn't know how to play his role. And I don't think like, if you're the Warriors, do you want to deal with that right away? Like, if you're the Warriors, you're trying to win a championship <laughs> next year, you know? Like, I, I think you just need a guy that is just going to come in and just know what to, what is expected from him. And James Wiseman, the knock on him is that he just, like, he wants to be, like, the guy. And I, I think that's really problematic. Like, you're just sort of recruiting your problems at that point. Hmm. All right. Oh. Well, anyway, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Let's just hope that we can get the season finished off and we get this virus under control and we can get back to normalcy Mm -hmm. and have some fun with this uh, later on and see if all this conversation that we have, what actually comes to pass, because uh, unfortunately we can't make those decisions. And I do think that sometimes some of these scouts that are out there, and I've said this before, and I know I'm not mentioning the names, that some of them wouldn't know talent if it walked up and bit him in the ass. Uh, I mean, I'm serious. I mean, so I, I look at these rosters and I watch some of the games doing stuff, and I'm wondering how in the world did they possibly draft a guy who has glaring weaknesses, who can't shoot the ball worth the shit, has no idea how to play the game the right way, and they gave him a three-year contract for 15 or you know, nine, eight, ten million dollars. It just it does drive me crazy it really does <laughs> oh, hey Wes before we let you before we let you go and first of all you can follow Wes on Twitter at WC Goldberg uh, you, you mentioned earlier that you're a millennial and I'm curious you know how did you become the Warriors beat reporter for a publication as prestigious as the San Jose Mercury News tell us about your background oh that's the millennials not to get to have cool jobs is that what you're insinuating here or? How did you get to this cool job? Yes. Yeah. What led to this? Okay. That's okay. Yeah. Not that you don't, um, de- not that you don't deserve it. You just, no, how the no. hell did you get there? I think <laughs> no, this is not a, I'm entitled this is not to it, a right? I'm a Oh yeah, that's right. You're um, entitled. That's right. Forget it. Don't worry about it. We know. Okay. Entitlement. <laughs> no, there was no disparagement meant with the question. It was a, it was a legitimate honest. Just, <laughs> I know. I know. Um, no, it's a good question. Cause uh, I, no, Long story short, I moved out here six years ago. I uh, worked for the Mercury News on their high school prep desk for about okay. eight months when I first moved out here and then started doing some, this is right when like, to me, I thought like all the digital writing was really taking off blogs and freelancing that way and all that stuff. So I eventually mm-hmm. started doing that on the side because I've always wanted to write about the NBA. To me, basketball is the most fun sport to write uh, about because first of all, the players are way more interesting. Uh, the game is a lot more interesting to write about. Like the, the NFL was my first love because I grew up in South Florida, but uh, it, it it's like the worst sport to write about. Like it's just not fun. So I ended up <laughs> writing about basketball and just wanted. Well, it, it's just it's all analysis. Like kind mm-hmm. of just like is Tom Brady the greatest ever? And it's just like okay, like I actually want to tell like human interest no. stories and mm-hmm. actually have fun with it. And the game's more fun to watch. Anyway, so 
I started doing <laughs> the NBA writing on the side while I was doing the high school, the, the high school stuff for the Merck. And uh, that started to take off. So I quit the Merck, started doing basketball writing only. And then um, the, the, I kept in contact with the editors and five years, six years later, uh, the job reopened and I had a bunch of clips and I was already credentialed to Warriors games. And I was driving up and back and forth between Sacramento covering Sacramento Kings games. Um, and the, the job came open. I had some clips. I had a resume. I applied for it uh, and got the job and actually wasn't even fully on staff because of the timing. I wasn't even fully on staff for media day. So I actually had to freelance media day, even though I knew I was going to get the job <laughs> because HR couldn't get me through payroll soon enough. So it, it was, it's, it's been, I kind of hit the ground running uh, nice. with this year, but it's been well, a, a congratulations. fun first year on the beat. Yeah. 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 Congratulations on that. And here's the thing though. It could have been worse than writing about that football is baseball. You want to talk about oh analytics. Yeah. Yes. You want to talk about yes. analytics. I was just with Clint Hurdle, okay, who just got released from the Pirates <laughs> as their manager. And I knew Clint because I'm living in Colorado and all. Of course, he was the Rockies manager. I've known Clint for a long time and really great guy. And we were sitting talking. I had him meet some of my, my neighbors and friends here. And, you know, to do something for his charity because uh, his, his daughter has uh, one of these syndromes and he has a charity. So we just got together and raised some money for him just for fun. But we were talking sports and baseball. And he's saying, yeah, he said, well, now they, they hand you a whole, you know, big pages and pages of stuff. Well, if this happens, you do this. And if this happens, you do that. The analytics in baseball are insane. Absolutely. Insane. And basketball is actually getting bad, too. It's getting a little crazy in basketball as well. You can overdo yeah. anything in life. And I think this thing about it, my thing is, I tell you what, can he play? Can you just do what's the right thing to do? Does it have to be thoroughly <laughs> analyzed and put under a microscope? I mean, please. I mean, the game is not that complicated. There are only five people out there at one time. It's not a huge field. And the game basically breaks down to one-on-one, two-on-two, and three-on-three situations. And far too often, it's one-on-one stuff, which I think is hurting the game. There's way too much one-on-one for my liking. As a player, I would hate to play in a team like the way the Rockets play uh, when they were having hard and dominate the basketball. And it would be so much more fun. That's why I love this run the Warriors are on because they are playing the game the way I was taught to play the game. Pass, move, cut. And the only time they got in trouble is when they went away from that and they did too much of the one-on-one stuff themselves. And that, again, and that's why, I mean, the NFL too is just, it's, you know, the more times you throw deep, you get this X percentage of, you know, long distance plays. And I was like, look, I, I love using analytics. I like, I like using it in my writing. I like it, it. It's informative and stuff like that. But when it comes down to just as a writer, I like to have the mix of it. And you're right about baseball. Uh, first of all, I've been out on baseball since the Marlins sold their team in 2006. I've been, I've been boycotting <laughs> the entire league. So uh, I grew up a Marlins fan, but uh, I, I, I go to basketball because even with all the analytics and stuff, you could still generate the human part of your storytelling of the game. And there's just the, the, the players are more interesting. The, the stories are more dynamic. Uh, and I just think that it, it's just in general, a lot of fun to write about. So even during this like down Warriors season, I've had a great time writing about the team and writing about the league because while we've had it. Um, just because it's it's tremendously interesting all the time, no matter what's happening, what anybody's mm-hmm. record is. Yeah, you see more incredible plays in the course of a basketball game. I mean, it's yeah. it's pretty special. These guys do things I, nowadays. Seriously, these guys do things on a regular basis that I used to fantasize about doing, and they make it look easy. <laughs> it's amazing. It really is amazing. Yeah. 
Wes, yeah, thank you really so is. much for taking the time. Enjoy it. Uh, hope you, yeah. I don't know, what, what do they have you doing now that, uh, that <laughs> this is going on? <laughs> That's a great question. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm doing, I'm doing the best <laughs> I can with, uh, with the limited access and just stuff like that. Um, just trying to, just trying to figure out a way to, to fill a hole that, that exists right now. So, we all are. Thanks we for having are. me on guys. Yeah. Hey, thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. Take care. I hope to, so hope to the chance to meet you in person down the road someday. That'd be great. My pleasure. Beautiful. And you can follow Wes Goldberg on Twitter at WC Goldberg. Thank you again, Wes. It was a pleasure. All righty. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Take care. All right. So Cyrus, uh, yeah, yeah. that was fun. I mean, he's it got was? some strong opinions. I like that. Yeah. Uh, and he's got a sense of humor as well. The millennial yes. himself. So that was, that was, that was very good. No, I like that. I like that. He has a sense of humor. He can make yeah. fun of himself. Absolutely. Yeah. It was good. Uh, so we'll yeah. just, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, and uh, who knows? I mean, we'll just try to have some interesting things to talk about as the weeks roll on uh, yeah. and see if there's any other news. And the greatness some of the shows a- may be a lot shorter than what we've just done right <laughs> here, depending upon whether we can get somebody else who's bored and maybe would like to just come on and BS with us for half an hour or more. And there's plenty of that right now. We're actually, um, I'm, in, I'm in touch with uh, the greatness that is Raymond Ritter of the Golden State Warriors. We're hoping next week to get on Mike Brown um the head assisting head coach for the gold state warriors so hopefully we get mike on the show soon well uh, i'm leaving that in your capable hands and uh <laughs> meanwhile everybody uh stay well yeah. be and cautious before, and before we wrap it up rick uh oh, again, yeah. tell everybody where they can find us yeah yes well you're available first of all and, and especially i think now more than ever yeah. given how difficult gift buying is if you go to yes, cameo.com yes. Right. that is cameo c-a-m-e-o.com you could literally have rick barry the hall of famer himself send a personalized message to your loved one or whoever you want to send to and great gift right i mean I don't know how you could beat that, honestly. Um, you can follow Rick Barry on social media at Rick24Barry across all channels. You can follow the show on Twitter at Warriors24Pod. That's, that's actually across all channels as well. And you can follow me on Twitter at Dog Surf Roadshow. Thank you, sir. It's always a pleasure. Hey, one quick thing before we go. Another last thing to come up there. So I just want to make sure that everybody understands that the Hall of Fame commemorative coin is going to be coming out at the beginning part of April. I think April 4th oh. is the exact day. So... Uh, that's something that I think that everybody should uh, should take a look at and see mm. because yeah no it's it's a cool thing, the commemorative coins coming out they had design I actually felt good that I was able to uh, to help somewhat with that and going over to meet some of our illustrious Congress people senators and all to get them to sign off on the bill that got that uh, got passed so uh, you know check it out go to whopaul.com and you can uh, read all about it and and get yourself an opportunity to to pick up one of these really special coins that'll be coming out a, a collectible. So oh, check excellent. that out. All right. So for Cyrus Etches, this is Rick Barry and Warriors 24. Stay well, everyone. Uh, try to have as much fun and enjoyment as you can under these trying circumstances. And I hope you and your family all stay well. God bless. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.